Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. It's the 100th episode today. So before we start, I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who has listened, whether that has been from the very beginning with Jack and I just pestering you by sending this podcast in lockdown and just saying, please listen to us. Or if you've just discovered us recently or just along the way, all support has been greatly appreciated and has been a really pleasure to do during this time. You can also add this podcast to the things to the list of things that lasted longer than Liz Trust as PM. Hopefully this podcast doesn't fall off rails in the future where we're survived by a lettuce, but let's just see how this episode goes. Anyway, I'm joined by Tom Cody to talk about two rather forgettable games, but we're still more enjoyable than the entirety of the She-Hulk series on Disney+. Plus. Tom, how are we doing, my man? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, thank you, mate. It's, you said there's going to be references, and I was thinking, if you don't make the same thing about lasting longer than Liz Trust, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make I'm gonna make it, but you beat me to it, so fair play. Indeed, indeed. As always, do guess I get them to give themselves a plug. So, Tom, tell people where they can find you and all your work. Yes, uh, uh, on Twitter at Tom Coley forty nine, and uh, that's the place where I put up most of, if not all, of my football London articles, uh, mainly on Chelsea and uh, mainly on Reese James. To be honest, Reese James and Loftus Cheek is basically what I cover. And yeah, football London and Twitter is the, the two places to go for some general Chelsea ramblings and. A happy cricket fan more often than not as well so nice indeed. indeed there might also be a potentially controversial Kepper article up there for some people to, to get their teeth into later if they want to right before we get into it let's get some admin out of the way and that is to remind you that support for that Chelsea podcast is brought to you by Manscaped who are the best in men's below the waist grooming their products are precision engineered tools for your family jewels Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 6 million men, and if my math is correct, that's 12 million balls worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer that we have for you and get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code ChelseaPod at manscaped.com. 
Now, I was kindly sent for Performance Package 4.0, and like Conor Gallagher off the bench at Crystal Palace the other week, this package is a game-changer. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker, Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Turner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag to hold all your goodies. First off is the Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer is the future of grooming and, dare I say, the greatest ball trimmer ever. It will help clean up that mess down there better than Thiago Silva and Trevor Chadwell with Chelsea's defence so far this season. Their fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge throwing plate to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 4,000K LED spotlight should you need a more precise shade. Some might call it the Cesc Fabregas of trimmers. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor and everyone's a winner there. Now, like watching a Reese James every Reese James performance every week prior to getting injured, you no doubt thought that was good. But do you want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs to the most delicate nose holes. You'll get all up in your business, like former Blue Diego Costa looking for a scrap. Next up, we have their Crop Preserver Ball Geogen and Crop Reviver Ball Toner, which will change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Trust me when I say this, fellas, your balls will thank you. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their performance package 4.0, the Manscaped boxes and the Shed travel bag. I mean, the travel bag is called the Shed. You know you want this. It's time to take care of yourself, so go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with code CHELSEAPOD. Get 20% off and free shipping with code CHELSEAPOD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code CHELSEAPOD. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Right, now we've got some admin out of the way. We can get into this episode and there is quite a bit to discuss so tom in a week where quite a lot has gone on on this very normal island which has kind of led me to believe i ain't quite where i think i am chelsea played twice and it was rather dull in fact it was so dull and i was so unenthused watching us some people talked to me and said is there something on your mind or are you just happy to sit there watch while the paint job dries let's start with brentford a game between two managers with big ideas brentford yeah Nil nil. I say but, but big ideas, but probably a disappointing game, isn't it? Considering the whole thing, you know, these are the next, almost like the next generation of managers, aren't they? I think I think I tweeted something about it. And it's like, like this is this is the up and coming guys, isn't it? I think Chelsea even looked at Thomas Frank, didn't they themselves? So to have a nil nil draw where there wasn't stacks of good football played through either team was sort of ruined the sort of build up. And I think probably the interview between them was the best bit about it, wasn't it? Which tells you quite a lot. Indeed, indeed. There's not a huge amount to say about this game, to be very really honest. Kepa made some big saves. Again, ensured we escaped a point. Chelsea didn't really create much, didn't really do anything. Defensively, were a bit shaky, but maybe got a bit better as the game went on. Kind of think a pattern we kind of saw yesterday as well. It's not really too much to talk about other than that, but Kai Havertz lasted as long as he did on the pitch in midweek. That's probably all there is really to say. Um, Tom, just any just thoughts on that game in general before we move yeah, on? Yeah, I mean, I guess it was sort of like the inverse of last season, wasn't it? Where we dominated for sort of 60, 70 minutes and then somehow managed to leave the game with the three points thanks to a masterclass from Edouard Mendy. And obviously this year it was sort of the opposite way round. But then again, like, it, 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 it wasn't quite, it was a little bit different. Um, I thought, eh, I mean, I, I, again, like like Kepa made the one really good save from Ivan Tony, but, and the other ones, like, and Bermo should have scored the header, but it was straight at him. Other than that, like, like neither keeper was, like, properly, properly tested. Like, it was just that header. And that's sort of what Brentford do. Considering Thomas Frank is such an esteemed manager, 
they play very, very direct in, into their big man, whose pony's a lot more than that. But they didn't particularly play through Chelsea that often. Um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, Havertz is obviously the talking point. He's, he's playing dreadfully at the moment and it, it's not good. And I was, I was happy to see him dropped against United because I don't think he deserved to start. It's, it's you know, you've got to go performance-based with, with Graham Potter at the moment. He's got to try and sort of set that stall out now. Um, and not playing Havertz was, was absolutely the right idea. And whether he comes back in in, in, in midweek, I'm not sure. I'd like, like to see Broher in, mid, in, mid, um, in midweek. I thought he, he was good. He was a positive. And perhaps the fact that we didn't see Broher for, for, for more than 60 minutes is, is sort of demonstrates the fact that I think Chelsea have mismanaged him in, in the first sort of 10 games of the season. Because if... He could only last 60 minutes because he's only been coming onto the pitch for 15-minute cameos at max. There's something wrong with that, I think, partly down to two. Or I think Potter could have used him a little bit more already as well. Um, I think it wasn't a bad point, considering we'd come off the back of going to Villa, which came off the back of going to San Siro, which came off the back of the Reese James news. It had been a strange week. And you sort of looked at everything and thought this was going all too nicely, but nothing, you know, we hadn't been properly, properly tested. We clung on against Villa, obviously. Um, but to be the third away game in a row, albeit in London, so you know, it, it's not it's not that far away. I, I thought the point wasn't too bad, albeit it put a bit more pressure on the United game, which in hindsight, now two points from those two games doesn't look brilliant. Four points would have been a really good return. Um it was nice to not lose. It was nice to keep a clean sheet. There are issues. There were good things. Pulisic's introduction, I thought he was relatively decent off the bench again yesterday against United. There's not too much to unpick from it. I thought it, it, it was a decent point. Other teams will go to Brentford and will be unstuck by Brentford. It wasn't the worst point in the world. It looks worse now, but that's with hindsight. Yeah, no, agreed. I don't think we need to spend too much on Brighton. As I said, we didn't, you know, create much. It was nice to see Carney Chukamaker introduced off bench and we'll get onto him, I think, a bit later when we talk about United because, again, he was introduced off a bench for him. That was quite nice. And, again, Trevor Chalabar start again another game. Trevor Chalabar went undefeated. And, again, we don't need to spend too long on Brentford because it was a rather forgettable game. They said the best part of that game, they said, was probably the interviews beforehand and, in general, the Amazon Prime coverage of, of the game itself. So, yeah, we'll we'll leave Brentford there. There really was not a lot to talk about. And we're going to move on to Manchester United. And now, Tom, you probably didn't need to be going taking a dive into your crystal ball to see how this game would play out. Because we've seen these games before with Manchester United. We've seen this story for about the last five or six years and we didn't like the ending. Um, Chelsea Man United, destined to be truly abysmal games of football and end in 1-1 draws. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Yeah. As I say, it, it doesn't take a crystal ball. You, you don't have to think too hard. Like everybody knew it. That was the whole thing. Chelsea haven't beaten Man United in 10 games, but is it, is it the last four have been draws now? What, whatever. Too, too many draws, lots of nil nils, lots of one alls. Um, I was happier with yesterday, though, than other games because it was always against Ole, wasn't it? And it was like, we're not, we're not, how can we not be Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Like, come on, how are we not beating this manager? He's not good. Eric Ten Hag is a much more respectable manager. You know, the draw to him is much more honourable, I guess. Um, and then that sort of brings us straight on to the sort of battle of the first half. And actually a story that's sort of been with us this last week is that did Graham Potter get it wrong from the start when you're having to make substitutes before half time because Chelsea were absolutely outrun in midfield and looked 
all over the place. Um, but then again, Kepa really had one good save to make. And even then, I think it was probably a pretty regulation one, albeit a good one. Um, United didn't cause stacks of problems, but Chelsea just did not get into the game. And Potter was, was it out tactic? I, I don't know. United set up with, with a midfield three and just and just used it well. And surprise, surprise, Loftus-Cheek and Jorginho don't offer defensive solidity on their own. You know, I think the game was glaring out for Mateo Kovacic, who again, perhaps slight mismanagement, the fact that he's not ready for games yet. I mean, that's an issue on its own. Um, but no, I mean, Chelsea Man United is, is, is apparently never, never going to be, never going to be good fun ever again. And I can only imagine. I don't know when we go to Old Trafford, but pencil it in one all nil nil. No matter how important it has to be, it's it's going to be scrappy. It's going to be crap. Yeah, indeed. In the, I'm just going to say, Sky broadcasters, just stop televising this game. Put it, put it to three pm. You know, with the blackout rules, whatever, because it, it is genuinely, I think, the worst game out of all the top six games you get every season. I genuinely think this is one of the worst now. And the quality over the years just seems to get worse and worse and worse every but time it, it I watch it. It wasn't even just like a slight, it wasn't just the tactical. Like part of me was like, okay, maybe, maybe this is a chess game. We can bill it as one of them. But it wasn't. The quality was just so poor. Yeah. So poor at times. Like just misplacing passes, underhitting passes, you know, passing behind each other, getting the weight of pass wrong. Just, Heading and hoofing the ball into the wrong areas. I mean, Jorginho's first half performance, albeit we saw the good and the bad of Jorginho yesterday, and this isn't about him. He's not even really a particular talking point from the game. But the amount of times the ball sort of broke in the Chelsea midfield because Man United had come up short and done something wrong. And then the ball comes to Jorginho and you think, right, quick pass, incisive pass, long ball here, do something quickly. And then he'd just scuff the pass himself. And that, that just summed up the game. Um, I mean, I can't decide whether I think two goals in like sort of the last eight minutes summed it up because it was just crazy and stupid and the quality just wasn't there. Or I, I don't know. It, it was not a good game. Not good. And considering last week we had Liverpool versus Man City, which was, you know, has always been this sort of quality against quality, the best that England has to offer, wasn't you know, the best game until about there's about half an hour left of that one when that sparked into life either. But Chelsea and Man United has just fallen so far off because the quality of the two teams are so muddled and it wasn't good. I mean, both managers that I mean, Ten Hag was just like, Oh, you've gone to three midfielders, we'll go to four. Like it just wasn't much fun. I mean, Rashford is in decent form and just was not in the game at all. Like you just don't remember him really doing anything, which sort of sum, sums the game up. Indeed, indeed. I said there were very few standout players on that pitch that were actually quality. I thought I said, you know, from us, Kepa was fairly good. You know, expect that moment in the second half, dealing of a ball very easily. Um, Silver, I just say every week, solid. Trevor, again, good. And then the United, the one player probably stood out was Anthony, but then again, probably the most one-footed player I've seen in a long time with fancy step-overs and, and essentially a lot of a lot of flashy stuff with, for, for not much return. It was genuinely a very poor quality game of football and one that we so very nearly won because because one of the agents of chaos that Eric Ten Hag threw on, Scott McTominay, gave away a penalty on Armando Breuer. And Tom, I guess at that point, look, I'll be brutally honest, when Georgie scored, George, when the penalty comes, I'm thinking, we have, we have you know, we're going to 
my, I naively thought we were probably going to do it at this point. I don't know why, but I just thought, you know, this game has been so bad that it probably needs something like this to decide it. And there it is. There's the moment and Jorginho slots it away. There's something so beautifully too cool about a Jorginho penalty winning a scrappy game with Thiago Silva playing well. The amount of times, you, you know, you can sort of write that. Um, but it just felt perfect, wasn't it? I mean, David De Gea did nothing all game. Did he make a save? I don't remember us having a shot on target. Trev hit the bar from a corner. It was a set piece. We created little, really, really little from open play. Um, and then obviously the penalty comes about, which even that, it wasn't even like we earned the penalty. I mean, McTominay just, he got completely done by Brozier, didn't he? You know, like it, it wasn't even particularly smart. I mean, I think the corner was cleared at the near post again, but all, but it just turned out that Brozier had been manhandled to the floor, sort of. And even then, it was one of those that, like, it wasn't a clear, clear, clear penalty, in my opinion. It was just a little bit stupid. You know, McTominay wouldn't have had to do much more to have gotten away with it. Um, and that that did sum up the game. I mean, we, we should have seen the game out from there. We we really should have. I mean, Kepper had done nothing in the second half. We defended pretty well, giving up sort of maybe vague counter attacks as we sort of piled on the pressure. But it was it was I think it was perceived pressure. There was there was lots of nothing. You know, the atmosphere was big because players were starting to get angry. But at the meantime, both managers were sort of going, ah, well, you know, we'll take a point. I wonder how different a nil nil would have felt. To a one all, I want. I wonder if we'd be looking at how differently we'd be looking at the game if it ended nil nil instead of one all. Yeah, no, indeed, indeed. And look, when Jorginho's penalty scored, that's my idea of a good time. You know, Stamford Bridge was was buzzing and we were singing his name and it was all happiness. Um, but then let's talk to it. You know, Chelsea only needed to hang on for nine more minutes after that. My heart did sink when I saw six minutes go up on the stoppage time board and we could only hang out. For seven, and look on that Casemiro goal. You know, Kepa's begloved hand reaching out to make the save, but unfortunately, Casemiro's head of men. There's not one goddamn thing Kepa can do about this. Or was there Tom Coley? Or was no, there? Look, look, I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and put the blame on Kepa because because that's not what I'm doing. But what I'm saying is, I think he gets enough of a hand on it to save it, albeit it does really well. I just. Chelsea defended that goal terribly from start to finish. We got penned in in our own box stupidly with six minutes left. I mean, you've literally got Broja, who's the perfect outball, basically. He will run the channels. He will hassle defenders. We just did not use him in that last nine minutes at all. Um, and then I can't even remember where the goal came from. Did it come from a corner? Was it a free kick or whatever? I mean, how Luke Shaw has that much time on the edge of the box to cross the ball in is terrible. And I think that was actually... A, a thing that Chelsea did all game. Fernandez was given too much time to cross the ball. Anthony was given too much time to cross the ball. I mean, it's a good job that United didn't really cross the ball that often. And when they did, it was pretty crap. Um, because we gave up a lot of time for most of that game, allowing crosses. Um, then you can criticise Ben Chilwell. He drops in far too early and he's done. Two players at the back post. Even if Chilwell drops in, you don't want two players. Two of Man United's you know, McTominay's a big bloke um, and Casemiro's quite a big bloke. You know, he's obviously bigger than Chilwell. He shouldn't be getting caught in a 2v1 at the back post whether he drops too early or not. That was just bad. Um, and then... I don't know how to how to say this because I don't want to seem harsh because this game's not about Kepa. You know, he, 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 should, he isn't the talking point. Um, the talking point's a scrappy game. 
And it feels unbelievably harsh to even be saying this, considering the week that he's had, because this is a week of performances that not many Chelsea goalkeepers can actually like back up in, in terms of consecutive games. You know, that Villa performance alone was enough, you know, it was sort of a highlights reel for a season, especially for a keeper like Kepa. Um, and I, I wasn't one of the people that was coming back and saying, oh, he's returned, because I don't think you can make that sort of basis off a couple of games. But this is this is the thing with Kepa. Every goal he concedes, look look back to Salzburg. You sort of think he probably should have done a bit more with that one. It's not a mistake, but it's not like ah oh, that was unstoppable. And the fact that he goes with his top hand, which as a goalkeeper myself, it 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 it, it you shouldn't be doing it. You know, you get more reach, perhaps the reach that he needed if you go with your bottom hand. It's just, it's just how it works. He then gets a good touch on it, but it's not enough. He's, he's unfortunate with the spin of the ball. He's unfortunate with the fact that it's only just over the line. But, but you want your keeper to save that shot, in my opinion. Like, look at Alisson. I'm not comparing Kepa to Alisson, but considering how good Kepa has been, that wouldn't even have been in, like, his top three saves of the last week. Like, it, it wouldn't. He, he's made harder saves than that. And football doesn't appear in a vacuum, and it, it, it's tough. Um, you can't just pick it up and go, Mendy would have saved that, Mendy wouldn't. You know, I'm not backing Mendy to save that on his current form anyway. But that's not the point. You want your goalkeeper to save that shot. You want your goalkeeper to bail you out in your last minute. And and he didn't do it. And I don't want it to be criticism. I it's not bashing him. It's not picking him out. Because there were much bigger reasons why Chelsea didn't win that game than Kepa in the last second. But as the goalkeeper... You're under that sort of pressure all the time. Kepa knows that. You know, he's been there and done it. He's, he's, he's had worse times. And it, as I say, it feels horrible. But I, I'm just, I'm not willing to get go, oh, we shouldn't even be talking about Kepa. Because I think we should. I think you should ask the question. If David De Gea conceded that goal, I think the reaction would have been different. If he got a touch on it, I think people would have said, there we go. There's another reason why De Gea is not good enough. And if we're talking about Kepa being the Chelsea keeper for the rest of the season and going into Champions League, Knockout ties, you need to be confident that your keeper's going to make those saves. And he's had a brilliant week. He's he's done really, really well to come back. I'm happy with him to be the first choice keeper because he actually offers so much with his feet. I'm happy for him. Like this, this is this is not kept back. But I just I'm not willing to just go, oh, there's nothing he could have done. He tried his best. Fair enough. I I, I won't, I'm not accepting that take on him and you think it doesn't look right like Martinez like last week that free kick and you just think it, it, it just doesn't look right when a keeper gets that much of a hand on it it, it something's not right it shouldn't go in it, it just shouldn't that, that's Fair all enough, it is Tom. some might say you're getting cynical and that won't do so you know I just roast him back on the exploded view but you know whatever um, <laughs> let's let's talk about some uh I guess we, we should kind of get into some individuals because we, we've, we've got to start with him. Mark Cucurella, that's twice in the last week. He has been subbed off early, subbed off at half-time against Villa, subbed off 30 minutes against Man United. This left centre-back role has not worked for him. It's, you know, look, if if, if Podder's going to play him at left centre-back, then, you know, Cucurella, honestly, just... Find a job as a find a job as a as that cool stoner character in some cool you know up and coming movie or or as potentially the stunt double for Argyle in the next season of Stranger Things because that would probably be as good a use of him as, as playing a bit left and back right now. Tom, it just doesn't work, does it? Like we've seen two games, positionally he's just not there. Chelsea's left side has just struggled 
both those games. And again, also, I think it's probably quite telling that Potter has had the option. He could have easily taken Chilwell off in those two games, potentially, and switched Kukureta, you know, to, to left back or, or left wing back against Villa. But he's taken Kukureta off and kept Chilwell on. So I guess that also kind of says a statement. I know, unfortunately, with social media, where we're in, there's a kind of a world where both sides are, you know, bashing each other and there's not really a, an acceptance that both can coexist. But just relative to Kukureta at left centre-back just is, isn't working. It's probably an experiment for now that needs to be put to bed. Yeah, I mean, I was never, I mean, I didn't watch enough of Pride to see him play at left centre-back, but I was really surprised when that was sort of floated as an option. It was sort of one of those summer things, wasn't it, where I think Matt Law was saying if Chelsea signed Koundé, he would play at wing-back and James would play at centre-back to allow him to get accustomed to the league and just think that just, that just sounds wrong. You know, that, just, that shouldn't really be an option. And... Uh, I've written about this, and it's one of those things. Chelsea at the moment have too many players that are, I think being versatile is like a bigger reason for them playing than what they're actually good at. And it's like, oh yeah, but he's versatile. But yeah, but what does he actually bring? What does he actually improve? Oh, then he's versatile. Brilliant. Like Mason Mount, what does he actually bring? He brings so much to the game, and he can play in about fifteen different positions. Reese James as well. But I think with other players at the moment, and Kukurela at the moment is one of them, it's like, yeah, but he can play at left centre-back. I'm like, yeah, but how many perfor- how many really good performances have we seen him play at wing-back or at left-back? We haven't yet. Um, so I almost feel bad for him because he's not a left centre-back. Um, you, you know, we can, all, we can all tell that. Maybe he will be in the future. I'm not convinced by it. Um, and I think right now it's better just to have him and Chilwell battling it out because they, they can both exist in the same Chelsea team. They can. Um, but no, it, it just doesn't work. And I mean, partly, I think even if Koulibaly was playing, Chelsea would have had the same issues because it was it was more midfield than it was Kukurela individually. And I think if Rhys James or another decent right-sided player had, had been sort of available, then you could have also argued for Aspilicueta going off because I didn't think it was terrible, but he just doesn't doesn't offer enough. Um, it's it's a shame really because obviously he had that that cameo against Everton, which was so promising, especially as Chilwell had looked so sort of out of touch. But I think since then Chilwell has been largely Ben Chilwell. He's solid, you know. He, he's like a he's like a six or a seven out of ten. I thought he was decent yesterday. I mean, he got done at the back post for the goal. He's not going at, at full force at the moment, um, but he's definitely definitely the sort of the favoured choice in in that situation. Kukurela is just—he's too. In a sense, he's—he almost reminds me of Potter Gallagher. In the sense that he's always moving, it's so frantic. There's no calm when he gets the ball. It's always—it feels like he's trying to do things at 100 mile an hour, trying to take 100 touches on the ball really, really quickly. Um, He—he's a really good player. It's going to be fine. Kukurela at Chelsea is going to be absolutely fine. Him and Ben Chilwell are going to make each other better. We've already seen that. Left centre back, just—just not for now. And. As I say, part of me is like, well, Potter's tried it again and it's, it's failed. But if Ku- if Koulibaly wasn't there, then we didn't really have many other options other than to go to a back four, which he clearly didn't want to do because of Kovacic. So it's like uh, you're sort of ripping off the plaster and putting it somewhere else. And then there's a leak somewhere else and you're going, oh, shit, what do I do now? And you make another change and another change because you're making changes to make up the changes at the moment because there's so many issues. And a lot of it all comes back to the midfield. A lot of it all comes back to the midfield. Losing Reese James is massive. 
because we then have to make up for him with Aspilicueta, who's not really good enough to play that role. And then you think, well, Loftus-Cheek, we really need him in midfield because he's good in midfield, but we also sort of need him at wing-back. And it, it's lots of moving things and lots of things that are impacting other things. And it's making it really, really tough at the moment. And this is how it's been for Chelsea all season. This is how it was for Tuchel. Um, and Potter's already found out that this is how it's going to be until Chelsea makes some changes. I basically sold the midfield, and I think the rest will slowly click into place. Yeah, indeed. Because I mean, Fabert and Gola Kante is out for for four months, and how much we will see of him this season, we don't know. As I said he's he's featured in two games and has not been seen since, and won't be seen till to around February next year at the earliest. Kovacic has got injury issues and it seems that it's been going on for a while and who knows maybe it's one of those things we'll, we'll, ha- we'll actually get sorted after the World Cup and he's wanting to delay any potential you know need for the, to fix that till after the World Cup and as I said genuinely I thought yeah midfield was poor yes I, I mean Jorginho again we know them taste I don't want to go in him because I actually thought second half when we had Kovacic on he was a lot better in that yeah. field I thought Ruben was a bit was a bit poor in that first half. He, there was a moment he got caught on the ball and it led to I think that Anthony chance, one of Anthony's chances or Rashford's chance in the first half. But again, Ruben, I thought when we have an extra man midfield on, was a bit more solid. In general, though, what I will say watching my game, it just felt like Chelsea games I've watched for a number of years where it was slow, sideways, backwards passing. There was no real energy to it. There's no real quick movement. And I said, I think that, that happens when ultimately you've got kind of got a right side that features Jorginho and Azpilicueta in it. That was, yeah. it's, it's not, you know, it's just for limitations of what we've got to work with right now. Azpilicueta, I thought, was fine defensively yesterday, but offensively he is a limitation and he doesn't offer you much. But we've kind of known that for a while and the days of Azpilicueta playing wing-back or as a, as a full-back should, you know, realistically be long gone. But it's the situation we find ourselves in. And that's, you know, just unfortunately what we're going to do. And as I said, it's early days, but I don't think it's any coincidence for three games without Reese James. And we've looked a lot worse creatively. We've not, you know, it's the worst we've looked creatively for a while. We've had poor, poor starts in games as well, you know, trying to, before we've had to try and rectify a situation. So I'm not, you know, surprised. And as I said, ultimately, we saw last year losing Ben Chilwell, the impact that's had on this team. Losing Reese James is a, is a big impact as well. And I think we've just got to try and get to, World Cup and see what happens. But let's talk some positives. Again, Trevor, I thought, was excellent yesterday. He is a player who, and I don't, and I'm going to say this, and I don't want people to take this the wrong way because I don't really want to, you know, go back to what happened with a previous regime. But the exclusion of Trevor Chalabar towards the back end of last season and the beginning of this season for playing and favouring more experienced players just looks worse every single week when we see Trevor Chalabar put in the performances he's doing and just not make mistakes and be one. And already he is probably our second best performing centre back this season after Thiago Silva. It is a bit mind boggling how there was a potential that he was going to get loaned out or even sold at the start of, uh, you know, while the window was going on. And yeah, it's just one of them. We'll kind of leave it there. Tom, Carney Trickle I want to talk about this because this is a player we signed from Aston Villa. A player, you know, to give opportunities. And I think, and again, I'm going to say, go back to Roger. Whatever people's feelings about Potter are at this moment in time, and again, I think it's very wary, you know, judging Potter because a week ago, when that week when we beat Milan and Wolves, everything was great. And now there's a week later where we've had two draws and people are questioning, oh, what is he? What is he really about? We've not looked very good. But credit to him. He has done moves that I like as a manager. He's not been afraid to make subs and he's not been afraid to trust 
trust some of these youngsters that we brought in and credit, you know, and he's been vindicated with Kanye Chukmeka. Kanye Chukmeka has not said a world of light in these two games, but I don't also think he's looked out of place. And it just shows, I guess what's been quite nice, he's not been afraid to trust these youngsters, where, again, at the back end of the previous regime, it did feel like the old manager was kind of going, we've experienced over youth, despite the fact that there was not really, it didn't really seem to us anyway, as fans, that much upside to doing it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, on on that point, I completely agree, and it was a really, really bad look towards the end of the Thomas Tuchel. I mean, midfield thing where he had uh, Chukwemeka and Gilmore, and said we have no more midfielders. It looks bad. Um, and as I said, yeah, the treatment of, of Chalaba last season was was ridiculous. I mean, he's not perfect. He's still not, you know, he, he's not absolutely perfect. There was, I thought he was Chelsea's man of the match yesterday. Um, I was absolutely prepared to go really big with praise for him after the game if we'd won, because I thought that was his best performance in a Chelsea shirt um, in quite testing conditions, considering the sort of speed of that Man United attack. You know, he's got Bruno Fernandes in the space to deal with. He's got Christian Eriksen's passing to deal with. He's got the sort of ever-present threat of Marcus Rashford to deal with. He's got Anthony and whatever he's going to do whenever he gets the ball to deal with. You know, there was a lot on his plate there. Plus the fact that in front of him, he was getting little to no shielding, especially in the first half. And I thought he was absolutely excellent. Um, I know that's not really the question you said, but considering Chelsea didn't buy that that right-sided centre-back, well, they did, but, but Fafana's not there. You know, and you still need the rotation. This is a really good period for Chalaba because he's. It basically shows that we're not really missing Fafana at the moment. Obviously, it's nice to have more centre backs because what's happened with Kukurea might not be happening with Kukurea if we have more centre backs. Um, but he, he's reliable. I mean, in, in a back four as well. I wasn't convinced that he would be able to transfer it into a back four. He's done well with Koulibaly in a back four, which has really surprised me um, because I thought. You know, you, that might be shaky. Anybody without Thiago Silva looks worse, you know. Um, and it's always easier to make these calls as a manager when you're new. You know, when if Potter comes under pressure, because at some point he will, does he have what it takes to still keep making these calls? You know, um, I like the fact that basically since the start, we haven't seen Hakim Ziyech. You know, we've seen Pulisic clearly because there's something there. And I think Pulisic, performances from the bench have warranted his game time. I think he was possibly even um, harsh, not, it was harsh not to give him a start here. I personally would have picked him over um, over Sterling at the start of the game. I'm sure we'll come on to him. But I think Potter is seeing Chukwemeka for what he adds to the game. He adds drive, he adds determination, he's fearless, he's a good dribbler on the ball. I, I can't claim to have watched loads of him. But the fact he said against Brentford, we I think we need that sort of directness. We need that physicality. This is still, he was still 18 at the point. This is still an 18-year-old with not much Premier League experience. You know, it, it's a big call. And here we are against Manchester United. You know, that's the biggest call of his career for Chukwemeka. I think it's a really, really good look. And when performances aren't going particularly well on the pitch and when things look a little bit scrappy, as they have over the last two games, being shown, oh, look, here's Trevor Chalaber, here's Conor Gallagher, here's Mason Mount still, by the way, here's Armando Broya, here's Carney Chukmaker off the bench. That's really positive because that's what Chelsea lacked at the end of Tuchel was even though the performances 
were bad. He was making calls that you were like, well, give us something to, to cling on to. Give us Gilmore. Give us Brozier more. Give us more Chukwameka. Give, give us something, basically, to go, oh, no, I see where this is going. And as I say, it's always easier at the start because under Tuchel, this was this was Callum Hudson-Odoi. Ah, oh, look, it's brilliant. He's, he's transformed Callum Hudson-Odoi. But under, under Potter, we know what Potter's record is like. You know, would we ever have seen Tuchel at any stage trust the nature? He didn't play no teenage minutes last year in the Premier League. You know, um, it's a really good look and it's really promising. And I really like it because it, it, it's hard not to be excited by that. As a Chelsea fan, it's really hard not to be excited by that. Yeah, exactly. Look, as I said, I said it is easier. Again, will we see these big calls get made later on? We will have to see. We've got to remember, see, Thomas Tuchel wasn't afraid to make subs early on at his time. Chelsea, if you just think of Callum Hudson-Odoi getting subbed off after being subbed on against Southampton. Obviously, there was controversy around the time about that sub. But again, towards the end, we didn't see that. You know, I'm crazy. And we would see. And again, I'm worried. I don't want to be this to be taken as a bashing of the old manager because we have a lot of love and respect for the old manager but it is just clear even just seeing these little things earlier put it where we can compare to what wasn't happening on the previous year and it's just these little things that again just give you something to to buy into because to be fair up till the last week you know the results and performances have been pretty good under Potter but it also just gives us something to go okay you know what we're going to use this squad and again look credit to him because we've got again I'm gonna make I'm saying if if Thomas Tuchel was in charge, I think he brings on Dennis Zachariah ahead of Carney Chukwameka or he you know, gives him those opportunities instead of Chukwameka. And Zachariah is a player who is on loan and is a, ultimately doesn't really have much use for us this season. And again, it's just one of those, it's just the little things that just help, just build and just shows you there's something to, to actually get behind. Instead, we're seeing Trev now having a good run in the side, which is, which is great to see. And we're seeing, you know, Carney get in the bench. Gallagher, you know, unfortunately was, you know, stuck, got that start against Brentford, came off because he was was feeling ill, etc. But we're just seeing these players now just gradually get brought into the side and trusted. And it does feel that, you know, players are getting a chance and there is a, you know, a real squad game to it all. So it's just the small things early on are very nice. Tom, we have got a question on some of the players' performances who are concerning, but I've got to talk about it because Raheem Sterling yesterday on that football pitch, that was quite tough to watch. I can't yeah. really say very, if anything, positive about that performance yesterday. And again, I'll be honest, I was shocked that Aubameyang went off before him in that game. Sterling did eventually get subbed, but I, Aubameyang going off was a bit of a shock to me. But just Raheem Sterling, it's just fizzled out a little bit right now, hasn't it? It has, it has. And again, like when you're winning games, it's not like an issue. Um you know, the scrappy win at Villa, he wasn't particularly good, but he neither was anybody. Scored. And he needed um, scored here at the bar, exactly. Yeah, and and, and 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 you sort of go, well, you know, is it is it fair to pick pick, pick him out? He he's obviously he's he's been less important than he was under Tuchel, um, because under Tuchel he was if Raheem Sterling didn't score, then Chelsea weren't scoring goals. You know, he, he was very important. He was a central figure. Lit- on the pitch, he was playing in a central role, um, and obviously Potter's come in and Chelsea look a bit more fluid. You know, Mount Mount looks a lot better. James was obviously providing extra threat, and I think the pressure sort of went off Sterling. So I, I wasn't bothered at all by the fact that Sterling wasn't scoring even when Chelsea were winning. That didn't bother me at all. I mean, even Havertz popped up with a goal against Wolves, and you know he looks so out of confidence; it's ridiculous. Um, 
but when it when it comes to Sterling, yesterday was the was a worry. It was the first time I sort of started to go, okay, this is this is a concern now. I mean, against Brentford, he came on and played wing back. It's, it's got to stop. It's got to stop. Um, I don't think it, I don't think it's right. Um, I mean, fair play to Chukwueke and fair play to Pulisic. But when you sub on Chukwueke, Pulisic, and Sterling, Sterling should be the one having the biggest impact there, right? Um, that's what you expect anyway. And the fact that he was put at wing back, it's just it was a little bit confusing. Albeit it nearly paid off because Chukwueke and Pulisic were brilliant. So again, you can't really hold that against Sterling. But yesterday, it was just one of those things, wasn't it? It was this. It was the whole Pulisic, uh, sorry, Sterling against Manchester United. You know, it's really hard to escape. But he genuinely always looks dreadful. And I think for Man City against Liverpool, he always used to look really, really bad, like really bad. And it's frustrating because that—that's when you want him. You know, ah, oh, now you're at Chelsea. You've got your chance to prove that you're the star. Go and do it against Man United. Prove that something's changed. It hasn't. It didn't. Didn't work out for him. Um, and now I, I do seriously think that, as well as the team being rotated, Sterling shouldn't shouldn't be playing in midweek. And we've but we've got some big game. You know, the the Premier League games that we've got left are big. Brighton, Newcastle, Arsenal. None of them are the sorts of games that you want when you're not playing well and you haven't got Reese James fit. It's a worry, but it's not the end. It's Raheem Sterling. He comes back, he does this. You know, he he lives and works through setbacks all the time. Um, I do think it will be important to get him in the right system because that that is that is a lot of how Pep Guardiola got the best out of him. It's not fair to say he's a system player, but he's a left winger. He likes the width. There's no secret that against Salzburg he looked really good even as the sort of makeshift wing back he was a left winger and he he sat on the touchline it was the old, the old winger thing he got his boots white he stayed incredibly wide and really really high Chelsea couldn't do that yesterday because we just never got going but obviously and we weren't playing in the sort of system where where he was allowed to do that Sterling isn't a striker he's not a false nine he's not an inside 10 he's a winger he needs to be played on the wing. Whether he's 50 million, whatever million, how important he is, I don't really care. It would be stupid to use those excuses for while he's playing badly. He, he needs to play on the wing. And if Chelsea don't use him properly, and I, it sounds bad because we, we have spent the last two years saying we're not using Burner properly, we're not using Havertz properly and making excuses for him. I'm not going to make excuses for how bad he was. But if Chelsea want to get the most out of Raheem Sterling, then they do have to use him in the position that, that you know, they bought him as a as a left winger that has scored 100 Premier League goals. And then the first thing that Chelsea are doing to him is going inside 10, false nine, wing back. He's good, but he's, he's not that good. Yeah, no, agreed, agreed. We'll kind of leave the Manchester United discussion there as we'll go on to some of your list of questions that can just help carry on the conversation. Um Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. 
Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. First question. I'm, I'm going to start it because it's actually perhaps probably the most negative question we've got. But also, I've got a lot of time for Dan, who asked this question. And I think we can it actually can lead to quite a good discussion. So Dan's question goes, will Chelsea ever make progress? Or is it a perennial scrap for fourth place, the best that this sorry group of overpaid individuals could offer? Before we get into it, Dan, the overpaid individuals, every single, pretty much every single player in the Premier League and in world football is overpaid. I get the point. I'm not going to hold that against them that they're overpaid because there's money in the game that is ridiculous and they get paid for it. Sorry, group. I actually like this group of players, by the way. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm probably, I've seen quite a lot of people go, I hate this group of Chelsea players. I like this group of Chelsea players. I actually think they're nice. I think they're good guys. I don't think they're like amazing, but also don't think this squad is, this squad, this group of them are truly horrendous footballers. They're clearly good footballers and they're like, there's, there's good players there. and They can clearly, they are clearly good. And I don't think we're, they're as bad as people make out, unfortunately. Just, you know, I guess patience isn't quite there. Look, will Chelsea ever make progress? We'll start there. It's going to take time. I think we've also got to accept a previous regime left a big mess behind. And that in itself will take time to clear up. Is fourth place the best this group can offer? But be honest, how many at the start of the season did anyone think we were going to get do better than a top four scrap? I don't think so. So are we realistically where we would expect to be? I would say yes. But Tom, I'll go over to you. Chelsea have already made progress, in my opinion. They've appointed Graham Potter as manager. Now, I'm not saying he's improved us straight away from Thomas Tuchel, but in terms of making progress going forward, this is progress. If you want Chelsea to move away from the higher fire attitude, and it sounds stupid because they've just fired somebody... (laughs) Then, then appointing Thomas, uh, appointing Graham Potter, is progress. They are committing to a project here um, because there was a lot of talk under Abramovich as project, 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 project. Well, they bailed out of Lampard as soon as things went wrong. That ab- apparently sounded like it was part of the plan. They then back to cool, but found out the issues that Tuchel has and that everything was very strange. It's it's not worth unpicking here. Chelsea have made pro- progress alone by appointing Graham Potter. That is not a move that the previous regimes at Chelsea would have made. Progress under Graham Potter is also not going to be immediate. A draw against Man United in the last minute, as gutting as it is, is not an, in, an indictment of no progress being made. I don't think that's fair at all. And I just don't think that's right, unfortunately. Um, as you say, the, the top four scrap, I mean, it looks more open now because we see Arsenal at the top of the table. Um, so we think, oh, well, well should we, we be doing better? Well, maybe we should. And it's a bit frustrating that we didn't take advantage of this, of this opportunity. But I, I, I don't agree with the, the negativity of, of, of Dan's tweet and... and I always seem to disagree with Dan. It, it's almost impossible um, for us to agree, unfortunately. Um, and this is this is where it comes together. I'm sort of the eternal optimist, and he's genuinely the, the eternal pessimist. That, that that that's sort of how 
how these things work. But I don't think that Chelsea have done too much wrong. I mean, we're unbeaten in eight games. If across eight games across the league season, if you win five and draw three, that's a good record. You know, like I know obviously the league record is, what is, it, is, it, is it three wins and two draws now? Um, you know, that, that's not as good. But there are also games in there against Manchester United, which, which you don't play every every sort of every sort of five games. Chelsea will make progress, but progress will be slow. Um, to make progress realistically in terms of long term improvements, transfer windows are needed. What is Graham Potter meant to do with the same midfield that Maurizio Sarri was using? You know, Kovacic, Loftus Cheek, Jorginho, Aspilicueta, all playing in a four three three. Was that good enough back then? Did anybody think it was good enough back then? Why would it be good enough now? It's the fact that Chelsea have appointed Potter alone, to me, is enough to say that progress is being made. When we see that on the pitch, well, it, it, it takes time. It does take time. And for me, we've already discussed the positives that we've seen under Potter, the youth and stuff like that. There's enough there to be excited about. A draw against Brentford and a draw against Man United where you should have won and knowing that these next three games before the World Cup are going to be really, really tough could be quite a tough way to go into the World Cup break now because you're looking at Newcastle, Arsenal and Brighton and thinking, well, we need seven points. Four points isn't really good enough. Are we likely to get two wins? You know, that, that sort of thing. You know, it, it, it's tough to sort of know what's good enough now after this sort of setback of this week. But it's also been the reality hit that I think we probably need. You know, the fact that Chelsea aren't, again, all of a sudden magically brilliant, you know? Graham Potter's a really good manager, but he's, he's not going to turn a group of players into something that they aren't. He can't do that. It, it's, it's a long-winded way of saying, I think Chelsea have made progress. It depends what you want progress to be. But Chelsea are more likely to challenge for the title in two years' time, building slowly to that point, than they are to try and do it right here, right now. And we've seen that as evidence over the last five years. If you go for the right here, right now, all the time, you only set yourself back over those years. If you look in the future and say, like, we could maybe win the league in two years' time, and you make that progress slowly and you allow the sort of state of affairs to happen more naturally, that's how you give yourself a better chance over a longer period of time. But people often aren't patient enough to see that as progress. Yeah, and again... Without, you know, it's still early days and who knows what happens to them. But even just at Arsenal at the start of this season, this has been a long, painful process to get to where they are as a football club. Right Chelsea now. fans weren't willing to do this. Chelsea fans weren't willing to do what Arsenal have done. Yeah. And we had a better base than they did. We weren't as rotten as Arsenal was to the core of the club. We were in a better starting position, but Chelsea fans still weren't willing to go through that. It was all we need to get top four now. We need to get top four now. We need to get top four now. Well, just by doing that, you set yourself back. And I'm not saying that top four isn't the expectation because it is. And no top four under Potter would be a disappointment. But it's it, the whole narrative of the top four has, has poisoned the club, basically. Because it's yeah. all we have to do this now. You don't get anywhere looking like that. There's a wider world. Take blinkers off and look at the football landscape. Look at what you've got available to you. Yeah, and I think, look, again, I'll, I'll continue on in a bit. But this obsession with top four that Chelsea essentially have, what we've had for years, is essentially led us to become a mid-2000s, a, a mid, you know, a mid-2010s Arsenal 
a lot less attractive 2010s Arsenal. And as we kind of see with that, at some point it runs out and you, it isn't sustainable and you do slip out. As we've seen with them and we've seen also clubs like Man United, etc. It's not always sustainable. But look, I get the frustration of Dan's question because essentially for five or six years, we've seen Chelsea the same story again. I said, we've seen this Chelsea Man United game on repeat for a number of years. It is boring. I get that frustration. Fourth place right now probably is the, you know, get the top four scrap right now, risky is the best we can get at the moment with the several players. But also got to remember, Potter has had Fafana injured, Reese James injured, Koulibaly was unavailable yesterday. He's not had a transfer window. He's dealing with a schedule that is ridiculous. Like this is, this schedule in terms of what we're doing is probably, basically probably the same as what we're playing in the COVID season now due to, to what was going on with World Cup. Like, the circumstances are not exactly set up for him in the best way right now. I'm not going to make like loads of excuses for him and say training time, etc. He's not having training time pitch. But it's just important to factor in that it's very early days of Potter. He's not had the time to even put really build his team or you know build squad. He's done a pretty decent job so far with what is available to him. And I think, look, Chelsea, this season, genuinely, there's two good teams in this league right now in Arsenal and Manchester City. The rest of them, including us, are very, very average. So we could easily come anywhere between third and sixth, I think, right now. That's the reality of the situation. And we'll just have to wait and see. I act as said, I get frustrations with some of these players' performances, and there are players who like Kai, who like Pewdie, who there's a lot of noise around them and their you know performances don't really back it up, etc. But as I said, I do think this is a good group of players. I can't really, if I was to go through that squad, I would go goalkeepers. Do not have an issue with them, their attitudes, who they are as people, what they've done for Chelsea, really. Kepper obviously has had a disappointing career, but, you know, has handled himself fairly well and going back into a, into a stable stable base. I look at that defence and I go, I like those defenders. I like Reese James. I like Trevor Chalabar. I like Ben Chilwell. I like a lot and lots of these players. That midfield, yeah, it's limited, no doubt about that. And we are probably missing a profile there to do some serious, serious stuff. But I like that midfield. I like Jorginho. I like what he offers. He's not perfect. And there will be a time maybe to move on. And maybe that time is now. But there will be the time. I like, you know, in terms of the attackers, yeah, Sterling is too early days to make a judgment call on. Kai Havertz is frustrating, definitely. Christian Pulisic, again, is frustrating. But in terms of his squad, I actually do think this is quite a... This is quite a likeable bunch of players. And I don't think there's bad players in there. I just think ultimately, none of these players have worked under three or four different managers with different styles, and they've probably had to adjust and adapt. And they've not had the staff foundations that the likes of Liverpool and City have had. And in modern football, I think you need the foundations to actually build and do something and make progress. So look, we've got to hope now that under a new regime, we're going to see that. Obviously, I know people will go and go, well, we already fired someone. But again, I will point out that manager was not this regime's pick. He was someone from the old regime. And ultimately, he didn't fit in with the ideologies that this new regime wanted. So now we, so I don't think we really judge them from that. We judge them from what we see and how they handle Graham Potter going forward, how much they back in and how much we do. Because as I said, Chelsea, strugg- Chelsea struggled last season without Reese James and Ben with, with Thomas Tuchel, who's probably, we'd say, a better manager than Graham Potter. But we, even he struggled. Chelsea managers... I've had a lot of Chelsea, had a lot of managers who have had a lot of problems with running in at Chelsea. So just patience, Dan. Sorry, I realise it's not easy. I get the frustration. I get, obviously, the mood is a bit down after drawing yesterday. But I think we've just got to be patient because right now, Chelsea are where I expected us to be. Chelsea are right where I expected us to be. And we have been distinctly average this season. We've been good 
this season we've played good football for about a grand total of one week this season and we find ourselves top of our Champions League group and fourth place in the Premier League. We've not been great. I think we, you know, realistically we should get better. Hopefully when players return we can get better. And we'll just have to wait and see. This Premier League season is bizarre. Like genuinely this bizarre. The standard is probably the worst I can remember in a long time. And I think that's probably partly due to the schedule and with the World Cup and what's going on. Just be, I, I know it's tough. I guess just be patient with it all because we will see. Judgment on Potter comes next season for me, really. We see, obviously, this season, I expect him to get top four because the situation, I still think Chelsea have the squad that should get top four. I still think it's a squad that should get top four. And if we don't get top four, then sure, we can count that as a failure. It doesn't mean we ditch your project. It doesn't mean we ditch him at all. You know, that's a bump in the road that we have hit. A lot of us thought there was going to be a bump in the road that we hit in failing to get out of this Champions League group after two games. The reality is we win midweek. We have got out of our group and potentially even topped it. And at that point, then I think we've also got to realise fair play to Graham Potter for what he's done because he's never coached in the Champions League before. And he would have got Chelsea out of a pretty precarious situation in a situation where he still had to go to the toughest team in the group and would have won twice. And he led us out of the Champions League group at the first time of asking and, you know, potentially got us a good draw for the knockouts. And look, come the World Cup, if we're still in the top four, then it's fine. As I say, it's where Chelsea are right now. It's not where we want to keep being. But it's the reality of the situation that we were in. And I don't think before the start of the season, anybody thought we would be any higher than scrapping for top four. I think Arsenal has surprised a lot of people. And that's maybe why there's a bit of doom and gloom. But Arsenal, to be fair to them, have built, have built slowly. And it's taken time. And look, Arsenal could still all fall apart. And this could, you know, just, you know, be sort of similar to what we experienced last season, you know, going really strong at the start of the season before falling away. But essentially just try and just, yeah. Be patient and said, I say, I don't think this is a sorry group of overpaid individuals. I think that is harsh. I get this, I get this, I get the statement, I get the sentiment, I get they can be frustrating. But as I said, I actually think they're a good, I, I do think they're a good group of lads. I do think they're a good group of players who, you know, ultimately have limitations. And again, for this sorry group of individuals, you've got to remember in the last week, they've won at Aston Villa, drawn at Brentford, and drawn at home to Manchester United without playing particularly well, with having to deal with quite a lot, you know, with missing the key players. For a team that has been criticised for their mentality, lacking a lot this season, we can criti- you know, criticise for conceding goals and injury time, etc. They've also shown quite a lot of resiliency, not only in what they've had to deal with last year with sanctions, but also with what they've had to deal with in terms of you know players missing and actually being under the pump and not playing well and still grinding out results. And I think as well, as much as we will criticise their mentality for conceding late goals, and it is frustrating, there also has to be some credit for their presenting games that they've actually, and I, it is a credit from Potter, Chelsea in the last year have probably not played very good football, but have not actually lost that many games, which again, I think probably should, goes to some credit to some of those players' resiliency. But Tom, unless you've got anything else to add, we can move on. That was a very long answer to Dan's no, question. And you know what? There were, there, were, there were periods during that where I thought, yes, I completely agree. And then I had one more thing and then you would say it. The last thing I would say is it, it just depends what people are willing to tolerate as progress. You know, if at the end of the season, you're only going to judge progress on where we finish in the league, you know, if we go fourth to fourth or if we go points to points, you know, or something like that. If that's the only way that people are going to judge progress, then you're going to be deeply disappointed by football for a lot of your experience of it. Because as I say, right now, for me, progress has already been made. The statement of Potter has been made. His statement of playing Chukwameka and backing the youth, you know, it. That, that change has already been made. That progress has already been made. And it's been built on from Frank Lampard. Chelsea have made progress from where they were before Frank Lampard to now. I think over a period of time, 
Chelsea are now stronger as a club and Chelsea are now stronger on the pitch than they were when Frank Lampard took over. It's gradual. Ultimately, we have gone fourth to fourth and all of that. But I think Chelsea are in a stronger position now than, than we have been for a long, long time. Albeit the midfield is an issue. Our recruitment still got massive questions. There's still no director of football. There's still glaring, glaring issues, yes. But I still think fundamentally Chelsea are stronger as a club than we were two or three years ago. 100%. I'm more confident that we will make the jump now than I was before. You know, if you thought Tuchel was a perfect man for the perfect situation before, then I think now you can be even more confident that, that, that Potter is the right man. Um, it's a risk. But Chelsea will be playing better football than we've seen Chelsea playing by the end of this season for quite a long time. And then if you only want to judge it off results, then go and get Antonio Conte and go back into the slumps yourself because that, that, that's the position you're going to get yourself in. You're going to get yourself in the cycle of pragmatic manager, pragmatic manager, because all you want is results. Graham Potter will bring you performances, the results will follow. Without Reese James, without N'Golo Kante, without Wesley Fofana and the stupid circumstances of this season, the World Cup, you know, the Queen dying and having fixtures cancelled, Tuchel sacking, the transfer window, the sanctions. It's been a ridiculous 2022. Nothing here is normal. This is not Chelsea managing a normal situation badly. It's Chelsea trying to find a way to manage a situation that's never been navigated before. We have, there is no precedent set in this situation. So I find it really, really hard to be overly negative, even though we know that there are things that still need to change. I am willing to wait to see the change before judging it. Yeah. I don't want to, week on week, I'm not going to be getting negative and thinking we're not making progress. Yeah, indeed. And again, if you just want to look at progress, just look at how, while the league is still an issue, just look at how we've performed in Europe to where we were now. As I said, we, re well, we won the competition in 2021. We reached the quarterfinals last year and we're mo so close to reaching the semifinals again. Again, albeit there'll be questions about um, Milan. Um, but again, you know, we've gone to Milan, a great Italian side, and we have won twice. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Next question comes in from Shyam. One word to describe that performance. Well, Shyam, I am going to go with the word forgettable because that game, it feels a very obvious and safe word to say, but it was. And that game was the 26th draw between Chelsea and Manchester United in the Premier League. No Premier League fixture has been drawn as often as that game. Seven of the last nine meetings between the sides have finished level, including each of the last five in a row. So, yeah, forgettable. Tom? Bit of Opta Nick there for you, or Statman Nick. Um, expected. Yeah. I think um, I was going to go for Scrappy, but that's sort of descriptive of the game. Chelsea Man United, expected. Um, when you've got a team with Aspen Laqueta at wing back and the midfield that we set up with, no Reese James, the end of the week that we've had, I don't think that was too much of a surprise to me in the end what happened. Disappointing, but expected. Yeah, yeah, indeed. 
The next question comes in from JL, who says, is it time to give Pulisic a few starts? We are totally lacking inspiration up front, and Raz seems to be running around in circles. I know earlier we did talk about potential that Raheem Sterling, maybe, you know, he's kind of gone off the board. But, and Tom, as I said, Christian Pulisic was probably quite unlucky not to start that yet game yesterday, albeit I don't think any of us were probably actually surprised not to see him. So I think a lot of us did think we'd be a, a Bamiyang Sterling mount front free, but surely it's the time to give Pulisic a start. Certainly, I'm going to say where he starts because we've not seen him yet, but surely he starts midweek at Salzburg. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Um, I don't think Pulisic can really complain uh, having not started yet. Uh, obviously, he got the goal against Wolves, but that was in a rotated team. Um, and the sort of goal sort of put the gloss on what wasn't an amazing performance from him. It was very, it was a very Christian Pulisic at Chelsea performance um, in general. Um, but then just the way he came on against Brentford was genuinely remarkable. Like it was one of the better cameos that we've had for a long, long time. Um, because obviously, hate, hate to hate to keep talking about Tuchel, but at the end of Tuchel's time. It became very desperate, wasn't it? You know, playing Ziyech, subbing on Pulisic. Chelsea just, it, the impact never really came from the bench. No, nothing was working. And Pulisic was sort of a big part of that. And that there's all of this massive, massive period, massive period for Pulisic. It's a big season. It's his last chance and, and all of this. Um, and obviously, you know, the way he started doesn't doesn't particularly mean anything yet. Um, but it's it's probably the most promising I felt about a Pulisic performance for a long long time like that little cameo against Brentford was for me a lot more important than the goal he scored against Wolves um the way he was controlling the ball the way he was taking players on the the little bit that he was on the pitch yesterday against United I, I thought he was promising again we just weren't playing very fluidly as a team and nothing was really gelling in general so it was it was it was tough for him I think it's definitely time for him to start. Definitely, definitely time for him to start. As you said, we discussed Sterling's inability to sort of perform at the moment. Maybe Pulisic can offer something different. He's maybe slightly more suited to an inside role um, than Sterling is. Maybe slightly more suited to being a split striker than Sterling is. But even then, the good thing about Brentford was the fact that he was coming from wide. He was coming from uh, the sort of, it was the right side of channel, wasn't it? Uh, and that was nice. So it's quite a turnaround, considering a couple of weeks ago you'd have said, you know, don't really want to see Christian Pulisic playing too much football for Chelsea before. But this is promising. And considering Havertz is out of form, uh, Sterling's out of form, Pulisic looks brighter than both of them in the minutes that he's played recently. So he's he's definitely down to start in midweek. And at that point, you know he needs to take his chance because he's not got loads left. Because Sterling will be back and Sterling will be back in the team if Pulisic gives even a snip of a chance for him to be. So we're talking the last ditch of the last ditch of the last ditch of his chances, basically. He's not got much left for him. So if he can bring this out of the well somehow, fair play to him. It will be Wednesday, isn't it? I think the Salzburg game. Big, big game for him. Yeah, no, indeed, big opportunity for him. And yeah, let's just see, let's hopefully get start midweek and he can help us secure a qualification. Next question comes in from Prashamp. What happened to chance creation? The numbers seem to be decreasing with every passing game. Tom, again, I kind of referenced earlier the absence of Reese James and Chelsea not looking as good. Is it as simple as Reese James kind of, you lose Reese James, you lose a lot? 
and you kind of with that loses a lot of chance creation or is it also just I guess maybe simply but but you know other players or whatever we've just not so I don't know what it is I I'm, I kind of I'm, I'm wary of just leading with Reese James is the answer to it but it does feel my answer to the question no I, I mean the answer I think to your question Nick is, is yeah it is Reese James isn't it you know he, he provides not necessarily the fact that he creates everything himself although he creates a lot it's it's all about balance of the team with Reese James Reese James allows other players to do things that they can't when Reese James isn't playing, Reese James is more than just what Reese James does on the pitch. He is this sort of higher being, you know. He sort of gives everybody else this boost, and that that only helps. You know, we see the link up that Mount has on the right hand side with Reese James. We've seen it. I mean, before you know, we're going back a year or so now. Even with Ziyech on the left, on the right hand side with James, he just helps people. Um, and then the other thing I would talk about is the midfield balance. Where do the goals come from in a midfield of, or even the chances come from in Jorginho, Kovacic and Loftus-Cheek? Loftus-Cheek, but all he's been really good, still doesn't have that end product. He still doesn't have a final pass that he really creates at the moment, which is the big frustration regarding him. He's a, he's a really nice eight, but he's an eight that doesn't bring much going forward, um, which is still an issue. And it's something that, lo and behold, has been part of Chelsea's midfield issues for, for years. You know, we've got Mason Mount scoring goals, but he's playing as a 10. Um, so it, it, it's, I think, partly midfield, partly Reese James, um, and then partly probably, probably the attack. You know, Sterling's been really off it, can't seem to make a pass at the moment. I mean, Aubameyang, his passing isn't amazing but he's, he's meant to get on the end of them. You know, you don't look to him to create chances. It's it's out of form. Attackers not playing particularly well. Um, and then basically, if James isn't playing, and Pulisic's not playing, uh, Sterling's not playing well, then you're basically left with Mason Mount as your only sort of creative spark in the whole team. And we talk a lot about Mason Mount and his, uh, his open play assists and stuff, but you can't just rely on him for everything. You can't just rely on him. So that that that's it. Partly yeah. James, yeah. partly form. We'll see how it goes. We'll see. Hopefully we'll be able to create a bit more in, uh, in midweek. Yeah, I've also, I did kind of notice yesterday, in the absence of Reese, Chile did try to see, take that like, bat, bat on, on a bit. There were a couple of passes that, you know, one to Bamiang, but was maybe just slightly overhit and one, but he got, got to him, but didn't really do much with him. There were, with Chile, actually some more, forward passes compared to what we'd seen before and he did seem to me he was trying to take part in it but it's yeah I, I'm kind of tempted to say Reese James fact that the creativity was is still still an issue and it was an issue but ultimately it's the fact that they said you play teams you know creativity was an issue when we played really well against Milan and Wolves because you know Milan had players injured Reese James was on it and then Wolves were playing a side but you know a really low on confidence and we've that, you know played two decent sides, and you know we've not had the type of spec maybe the, the space afforded to us, and all, all the other things as well to to really go with us. That is something I think Pulisic gives you that maybe Sterling doesn't. Um, they are different types of players, very very different. And I think Pulisic, his ability in sort of tight spaces, I think he he has that sort of. I think he's a better close dribbler than Sterling. Sterling's dribbling is probably a little bit erratic. His touch can 
often feel off or whereas Pulisic you know when he gets going can take the nice small touches and jinx his way in and out of small areas um and that that is that's a creativity thing that's something that Pulisic has got that other attackers simply don't I mean Havertz is is a, a bigger player at all a play he wouldn't say he's particularly creative which is an issue of his own Aubameyang again he's a taller player he's you know more ball at feet in front of him sort of thing than actually dribbling around players it's again hopefully that's something that Pulisic can bring to his game because it, because Chelsea will need it at some point, I'd say, because if you haven't got James and you're relying on Mount, then all of a sudden there's not many players in your team uh, that you've got that can really create chances, and that is an issue. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Uh, next question comes in from Jam. And before we go, big ups to Jam for his his work in, working with Chelsea Football Club, their, their brilliant video uh, that went out the other day. Uh, big ups to you, Jam. Well deserved for all the work you put in. His question is, which players' performances are concerning you right now? Now, again, we did kind of touch earlier on Sterling and Kukurella, but Tom, maybe any other players' performances that are, are slightly concerning you, or, or is it kind of just those main two that we touched on it earlier in the, in the, in the show? Yeah, no, I, I think it would definitely be Kukurella and Sterling. Aubameyang um, worries me when he's not involved in the game. He, Aubameyang doesn't give you much when you're not creating him chances. You know, you don't see him. He's not a good passer. He's not a good creator. Um, and I worry that Chelsea will find themselves once more in the sort of position uh, that when they can't, when they're left with two banks of four or a four and a five in front of goal, Aubameyang isn't the bloke that's going to do much to get you the chances. You have to hope that the chances fall to him. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a concern, but if you know if, if we're looking around the team, then then him, Jorginho, is sort of an eternal concern, just because you know he's liable to being overrun and having these really bad periods. Um, we saw, as we said earlier on, the best and the worst of him. He controlled the second half, but the first half completely overrun and was almost useless. You know. Um, he, he 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 is a worry at times, but but again, it, it, it's nothing new. We know that. We know that. I would say Cucurella and the management is the worry. Sterling, I think, long term shouldn't be a worry. It, it's just it's just going to be how, how they're used, basically. I think. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Next question comes in from Gabs. Nick, why on earth am I still not confident we'll win when the clock turns ninety? So predictable. Good friend is Gabs, and yeah, Gabs, so predictable. I know what you're thinking. Tom, it's just one of those things. I guess, though, I know, again, I talked about earlier, but, you know, conceding late goals is is frustrating. And as much as I want to try and praise these players for resilience, that is something happens. But it's also the second time this season we've lost, we've dropped points late on to a top six rival. Albeit the Spurs game, I think, was more infuriating, given that we were so clearly the better side, whereas against United, we couldn't really complain about the draw. But what, you know, why does, why? 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 Why are we? Why does this happen? Why are we just not confident? Why? Why? Because we, you know, it happens. I'm, I tweeted about me. I tweeted a meme yesterday. If anyone, you know, from Harry Harry Potter, <laughs> yeah. uh, where you know, McGonagall goes, why is it always you three? And it's added time. Chelsea being Chelsea and an unlikely goal scorer because Casemiro of all people is all time. But why? Ah, oh, just why? I don't know. Nick, to be honest, mate, um, because we, we spoke about it earlier and I think a lot of people are, are far too quick at the moment to say, same old Chelsea, same old mentality, where's the mentality? And I'm sat there and I'm thinking, well, well, look, we've got Thiago Silva, 
We've got Cesar Azpilicueta. We've got Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. We've got Mason Mount. We've got Mateo Kovacic. These aren't players with bad mentalities. You know, these aren't quote-unquote serial bottlers. I, I, I don't like the way that that's thrown around. You know, this isn't the Chelsea from a couple of years ago where you have Marcus Alonso and David Luiz and, you know, I don't even, who else we've got. You know, as Paraguay has been part of a lot of teams that have sort of been, been, been coined like that, perhaps unfairly. It was strange because yesterday Chelsea went into their shell when we went ahead. Um which was different because it was unlike anything that we'd actually done before. Like um, it basically felt like we were just happy enough to try and hoof the ball out and defend our own box, which is, which isn't something that, that Chelsea are particularly good at. And it's not something, it's not a tactic that Chelsea have gone to. So I, I wonder if maybe yesterday um, some part of it was, maybe being overjoyed by the goal. I mean, the celebrations were absolutely fantastic in, in, in the, down in the corner, the same corner that Reese James scored against um, Ajax. It sort of brought me shades of that, the way that everyone sort of ran over there. But in terms of constantly conceding late goals, I, 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 don't, I don't know. Um, it's hard to pin on because obviously it's, it, it's early under Graham Potter. Um the Tottenham one was a set piece and it was a bit of a freak considering what was going on at the time. I don't think it's a massive, massive issue. But I might be wrong. I know I saw somebody put a picture up. You've got from last year, Wolves from 2-0 up. I think Watford we conceded late on after being ahead on the final day, but then won it late, late on. Ross the boss. Um, I don't... It's always a worry, isn't it, in the last minute? You know, you're ahead, you won the up. You're at home against a local rival, a, a local rival, a, you know, a big rival. It's a big game. You've not played particularly well the game, scrappy as it is. I don't think you're meant to feel comfortable um, in that situation, necessarily. Uh, it, it's, it's quite a hard one to manage. I don't, as I say, I don't, I don't think Chelsea did manage it well. But why that is, I don't, I don't really have a solution to it. Just yeah. try and a little bit better in the yeah. And try and get the ball to Brozier and like get him forward, get him running in behind, spinning, battling away, pushing over people. It felt like Chelsea slightly went into their shell rather than sort of taking control of the game. Yeah, also, I, I, I just don't know if I, there was so much chaos in that game with going ahead late that there was not really the time to actually compose yourself and just kind of go into it. And there was, you know, just a sense of franticness throughout. And then it said as soon as United scored, then Chelsea sort of whatever was the franticness resumed, just trying to go searching for that winner again. So yeah, Gabs, just because it's Chelsea and we've been burnt quite a few times before, as I said, you know, yeah. Danny Welbeck, I know it's not this year, but the end of 2021 scored late. To be fair, that did feel like it was sort of coming given how poor we were and how good Brighton were that day. But it is just one of those things where Chelsea, one 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 no leads going up, you know, late on in games, you're never going to feel too comfortable well, well you're not unfortunately. Meant to. I don't exactly. think you're meant to. That's not football. That's not exactly. football. That's not that's, that's not why we love the sport. <laughs> exactly. It would be nice if we could feel a bit more comfortable, but just not the case. Uh... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Penultimate question comes in from RJ. What do you think Graham Potter has learned over the past two fixtures for United Brentford, and how do you think he'll set he'll react in terms of first time setup for Salzburg? So uh, we'll pick a team for Salzburg. Guess half of it. But Tom, what do you think Graham Potter has learned over these two fixtures for United and Brentford, other than the fact that Kukurela as a left centre back is probably not the one? Um, I think if if there was any sort of doubts over Tre- Trevor Chalaber, I think he, he he can really really trust him. I mean, I, I I've sort of said uh, this season I didn't think Trevor Chalaber actually had anything to prove you know I think he, he proved everything last season I don't think he needed to come back and prove anybody right or right or wrong again um, as it turned out you know obviously Tuchel wasn't given the game time we're going to have to be centre-backs but as it worked out now with injuries we've not got enough centre-backs um, so I, th- I think yeah if he had any doubts Trevor Chalaber can be really really important and not just a rotation player even when James and Koulibaly and Fafana come back. Um, I think if he wasn't already aware of it, that the midfield is a massive, massive issue. We've known it for we've known it for so long as Chelsea fans, so long. And in case he thought off the back of the Milan games, Jorginho and Loftus Cheek in together, he will know the fitness issues. You know how serious Kante is, um, how sort of flaky, I guess, Kovacic's own fitness is, the fact that he still can't be ready. You know, the sort of worries of using Jorginho. If he didn't already know this, he will know them now uh, because he's made made changes within 35 minutes at home um, about it. Um, I hope he's learned that Raheem Sterling's not not a wing-back. I also think he's learned that he does have the the spine of a, of a good team. You know, he's got Mason Mount, he's got Chukwameka that, that he's got off the back, he's got Thiago Silva, you know. I don't think he particularly would have learned anything that he didn't already know, actually, is what I tend to say. I tend to say there's a lot of stuff about Chelsea that that we already knew were issues and they just sort of get proven at different points. Like, not much has actually changed. Um since a couple of years ago, massively, which is a massive contrast to what I said about to Dan Hill earlier. But like, in progress has been made. But in terms of like issues that are there, these aren't new issues or old. These are sort of old issues. We don't, I think, have particularly new issues. I think these are things that we knew about for a while, and it just turns out that we're just still getting reminded about them. Still getting reminded about the fact that we don't have creativity. Still getting reminded about the fact that the midfield is shaky. Still getting reminded about the fact that we didn't buy a backup right back last season or the season before. You know, just like last year, we were being reminded that we didn't deal with the left back scenario. We're being dealt with the same situation at right back now. That that that's why I would say maybe. <laughs> Yeah, no, fair enough. Exactly. You know, just hopefully he's known that he can trust players like Carney Chukwameka moving forward. The fact that, as I said, Carney, while didn't set the world light, I don't really think that if it wrong. And I said, he's just, yeah, learned that maybe some ideas, you know, just get scrapped, just, just get shelved for now. And obviously that, you know, there are issues in the ultimately midfield, hopefully can get some form of addressing either in January or the summer. Because, you know, we don't want to keep seeing, you know, Georgie, I just have a fear, fear that Jorginho's legs will just 
spontaneously combust on the spot in the middle of one game and, and yeah. <laughs> there'll be a counter-attack going on and we will be very, very screwed. Have they not already? But, um, but yeah, we'll just, we'll just see. Uh, as for part of his, his second question, how do you think he'll react in terms of personnel and set up for Salzburg? I mean, Tom, we move into the Champions League. This is a very different style of game to what we'd expect in the Premier League. Um, I guess, do we potentially see even potentially similar setup to what we saw in his very first game in charge against us? Well, be maybe some slightly different personnel. I don't think, we, you know, there will be, there'll be changes to what we saw there, but, you know, we kind of did take the game to Salzburg. We were pretty, you know, pressed pretty high up. We were, were pretty ruthless and we didn't really let Salzburg play at all. Do you think it'll be similar to that? I and mean, then I guess after that, we'll, we'll pick a team to, to take on Salzburg. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Graham Parr, isn't it? Uh, predicting this is, you know, it's, it's a madness, really. You know, you, you genuinely don't know. Um, I, I think in, in general we, we, we did get that game right, which was Jorginho at the base, wasn't it? Kovacic and Mount in uh, it, uh, sort of the two eights. As I say, I, I, if he's going to do the sort of Sterling at wing back ploy, then that has to be Sterling. You're actually a left winger. You're not a wing back. You know that 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 sort of thing. We, we can't. The thing that worried, the thing that didn't work against Man United was that. Chelsea were relying on getting up the pitch before Sterling was getting in the game as a, as a wing back. Um, whereas against Salzburg, it was basically like, look, Raheem, if you don't track back, that, that that's fine. You just stay there on the pitch. We'll get the ball to you eventually. Whereas we couldn't do that against Man United because we never really got up the pitch. Um, so I wonder if maybe that that would be something we could repeat that potentially. Um, Reese James was obviously really really important in that game as well. Which is just standard Reese James. Um, I don't know if Aspilaqueta could do the equivalent on the right hand side. So maybe Loftus Cheek back to back to wing back. Um, I I just think to solve the wing back issue, we have to stop playing wing backs at the moment. So maybe maybe I think it could be it could be different. I wouldn't be surprised if we went for a four three three, four two three one, whatever it is four triple two, whatever. It, it might be like it was a diamond yesterday, I think they said. But um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see something like that because I think the wing back issues are causing too many issues. So just take it off the table. Fair enough. So with that, let's pick a team for Salzburg. Obviously, I presume we're sticking with Kepper in goal. We're going to go 4 3 3. So I'm presuming Azpilicueta is right back. Worryingly, yes. Um, in Europe against that sort of energy after playing. Twice already this week. It's scary thought, but yeah, we don't really have another option. Um, Tiago Silva. I'm gonna say we start because he didn't play against Brentford. Obviously, we then got question: Does he play three times a week with Brent Brighton at the weekend? But obviously, the Champions League, a chance to qualify. I think he plays, and obviously, if we win and we qualify, then we can rest him against Zagreb. So Silva starts. Yeah, if if yeah, especially as Koulibaly. If Koulibaly played this game, then maybe you can trust Koulibaly to to play. Um, and sort of take over as the senior centre back, uh, but having not played, I think it would be maybe a little bit strange to chuck him back in. But I could see it happening. But I think Silver will play. So into partner, and we going with Trevor Chalabar? Yeah. And then left back. This is a this is a question uh, question to choose because obviously we know Potter wants to manage Ben Chilwell. Ben Chilwell, we I don't really think he's really expected to play three games in the space of a week. We have Brighton at the weekend, and Tom, I'm going to be brutally honest, I'm not sure I will mark a Corella going back to Brighton, his old club. I'm just not sure, you know, given how he's been recently, that's why yeah. I'm start Corella at left-back this week and means you give two over Brighton game. Yeah, I think that's understandable. Um, 
I, I, I'm not sure if, yeah, if, considering Chilwell, he, he didn't play against Brentford, did he? Um, no, in fact, he was out of the squad completely, wasn't he? Um, so, yeah, I, w- I would agree with you there. Although it's one of those, isn't it? It's like, do you do you play your strongest team to try and build up the form or do you make the changes because you have to make the changes? And I think in this situation, you need to make the changes. So, yeah, could, could go in for sure. Okay, then midfield. Oh, I'm going to say we start Jorginho again just because it's yeah. a game in Europe. I think it's a game well suited for him. Alongside him, is, do we just go Mateo Kovacic or do we go, you know what, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, you will actually trust this pair again to do the job in Europe and give Kovacic a bit of a rest for, for Brighton all weekend? I would like to see, and I wouldn't entirely be surprised to see, like Chukwameka and Loftus-Cheek. I know we haven't actually seen Chukwameka yet in midfield and it would be big, it would be a first Champions League appearance, it would be a first Champions League start. But considering Kovacic's fitness and the fact that he's playing too much already, I would love to see Chukwameka start this game. I think it would be really important. Or you start Mason Mount in midfield um, and you have Mount, Jorginho, Loftus-Cheek, and then you can go for two wingers and whoever you're playing up front. So that's what I would say. You know, I'll, I'll go for Jorginho, Loftus-Cheek and Mount. Fair enough. And then a front three of... Kulisic. Um, who should we go with Pulisic? Do we go with Brozier? You're waiting for me. <laughs> I don't know. Do we go with Brozier? Do we give him a start? Do we go with Mr. Aubameyang, who's got two goals in three? Who's, who's you know, got two in his last two in the Champions League? What do we do? I'd like to see Brozier start. I think he deserves it. Um, because you, you, you suspect Aubameyang's going to play against Brighton basically no matter what, don't you? Um, so, yeah, I would go I'd go Brozier, Pulisic, and then probably probably keep Sterling in at that left-wing spot. Um, unless, of course, all the formation's a bit different and it is a bit narrower, and then maybe you even play Chocomeca as, as, as an sort of inside 10. It sort of depends on, on the formation, but I think if, if you're playing a front three like that, then Sterling has to play. Um, on the left-hand side, Sterling on the left, Pulisic on the right, and then Brozier up front. It's rotated, but it's still strong. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Fair enough. Fair enough, indeed. Ah, the final question. It got included, so Dean Mears, what have you done? Um, and, and Dean, when you, <laughs> when you sent this question in, I was walking to the tube station so I was so, so confused about this question when I first saw it. I was like, what is this? Why? Why are you asking this? And then I saw the video and subsequent photo online. Um, God. I'm, I'm going to try and say this away because I don't want to get Tom in trouble, in any trouble <laughs> answering this, so I shall answer this. Um, look. Yeah. Um, Mateo Kovacic, fair play. Um you you know you use what you you get given I suppose um, what I would say to Matteo is you know women do like a well groomed man down there so you know you could get twenty percent manscape with promo code Chelsea Pod at discount if you're gonna you know keep doing your thing yeah very I was gonna say if, if you don't take advantage of that marketing opportunity <laughs> handed to you there by Matteo Kovacic then it would have been really disappointing slightly surprised by the choice of underwear for a professional footballer. Is that a is that a universal thing? Do we think? 
do we do we think that footballers wear pants like that all the time? Because that for me, I can't imagine that being comfortable. No, it's very almost like you know what you'd see like swimmers to wear if they're when they're going competing. So yeah, it was mm, we're kind of on a, a ropey territory here. We're kind of it was different. I'll but, let you know as well. We, we it was, there was a piece done on it last night, remarkably, um, and it did very well. So the people want to know what the people want to know. I mean, yeah, I've got, I could see why there's a certain demographic that could be very interested in, in, in Mateo's, um, Mateo's package. So, yeah. Kovacic is an attractive man. Exactly, or, uh, exactly. Top, I know. mean, you know, I look at that man, you look at his Instagram, you know, he, he's, you know, he's living life, you know, beautiful wife, beautiful child. He, you know, he's clearly, you know, putting that package to good use, should we say. So, you know, <laughs> kudos to him. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll stop that there. Um, this is what happens when you get an unbelievably long That Chelsea podcast. This is what it descends into. This is why they don't go on that long. And this is why we don't. It's why we don't allow Dean to uh, to send in questions. We we should. Yeah, I should. I should. I should really be a lot tighter with the questions I actually get allowed. I allowed to get asked on this podcast, really. But I just saw it got said, so I was like, we'll include it. Um, right. As I said, the ending of this podcast has likely not made perfect sense. Um, Tom, before we go, give yourself one one final plug where people can find you and all your work. Yeah, so um, I'm still uh, at, at Tom Crowley forty nine on Twitter, where um, I speak less about Matteo Kovacic's <laughs> manliness. Um, although I do like Matteo Kovacic as a football player a lot. Um, also, if you do fancy actually understanding why I've been a little bit critical of Kepa, which I know a lot of people haven't, then I did write a piece. Um, on Kepper and sort of what was said and actually Tim Howard who is one of the very few goalkeeper pundits said that he thought that Kepper should have done better I know it's coming from Tim Howard um but yes so some quotes in there and him I also did a piece on Reese James um and why he's really really good and basically irreplaceable um so perhaps it's not a surprise and it shouldn't be at all to bash Potter with if he can't replace Reese James because Reese James is uh, irreplaceable. So you can, you can get that at Football London, which you'll see on my Twitter at Tom Crowley forty nine. Uh, that is the place to be, especially for the Cricket World Cup because there will be some little maybe anecdotes and bits of comedy, hopefully, over the World Cup. Indeed, indeed, the Cricket World Cup is fully underway, and obviously England got their campaign started Saturday with a with a nice win against Afghanistan. Australia got came by New Zealand and uh, there was a cracker going on today with India and Pakistan so you know it is well underway another passion of ours right as for us you can find us on Twitter at that Chelsea pod on Instagram at that Chelsea pod we're on all your usual podcast platform providers Apple Spotify such if you're not subscribed already leave us you know go check us out you can just search that Chelsea podcast and we come up leave us a rating or review whenever I tweet the pod out any likes retweets Go a long, long way. You know, play it to anyone with a function of a pair of ears, please. You can even listen to this podcast, I don't know, maybe in the car. This pod has been the ballad of what could have been over and out, really. It's been a thrill. Until the next episode, everybody, keep the blue flag flying high. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.